I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Podcast Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace a podcast that highlights the role of women peace builders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to communities. Eavesdrop on their communities and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by... Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace. The general milieu right now is that uh, they need really support from the government for women to have capital for big businesses. Because what we have right now are micro or small uh, businesses but still this micro and small businesses like um, regular uh, sari-sari store sewing machine uh, baking baking shop uh, supports their daily needs and I think that's where resilient resiliency comes in Salam dear listeners good morning good evening good afternoon Welcome to another episode of She Talks Peace. I'm Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, joining you from Manila. Dear listeners, first of all, I have to thank all of you for supporting She Talks Peace, for listening to us, because your inputs have been of tremendous value. In fact, Would you believe that I am going to be receiving an award from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Austria? So I'm flying to Vienna to accept an award for She Talks Peace. It's uh, going to be an award for innovative media and communications that we are able to talk to you about the value of women in peace and security. Uh, issues about human rights, trafficking, radicalization, so many issues that we are discussing with all of our uh, special guests. And it seems that you have liked the conversation. So thank you so much for tuning in and supporting She Talks Peace. In the Philippines, September has been made the National Peace Consciousness Month. In 2004, the president of the country then uh, issued a proclamation, number 
to declare September as uh, the Peace Month. It's not just Peace Day. And it's not just the International Peace Day, but Peace Month. And the hope really is to get the entire country to have a deeper understanding of the value of, of our ongoing peace processes and to reinforce our commitment to nurturing a culture of peace within our society. So by allocating the whole month, our government actually calls upon every citizen, even though they are not in conflict-affected communities, to participate in the pursuit of harmony, unity, peace, and reconciliation. And because it was uh, National Peace Month, we decided to have a special forum looking at the administration and access uh, to justice and sustainable peace in the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region in Muslim Mindanao, or BARM. And uh, by listening to us by now, you're familiar about what BARM is. It's, uh, these are the heavily Muslim-dominated uh, provinces in Mindanao that uh, became a reality as a result of our peace processes. And in that uh, forum that we held last uh, September 29, we had as one of our guests this special guest that we have today because it was very important for us to talk about not just the access to justice referring to access to the legal system, but also access to justice in terms of access to assistance. If you have been displaced because of a war or because of other disasters, natural or man-made. So we're talking about access to rehabilitation and compensation. So we thought it would be valuable to bring our guests on board to talk more about what she is doing, what government is doing to help in the rehabilitation, the compensation of those who have become displaced because of disasters, man-made or, or not. So today, our special guest is a friend of long-standing, although she's much younger than I am, and I'm really excited to welcome her on board. And she's none other than Attorney Maisara Dandamun Latif, who is the chairperson of the Marawi Compensation Board. Maisara is a distinguished legal professional with an extensive background that includes her role as a former member of the parliament for the Bangsamoro Transition Authority. She used to be a commissioner for the Bangsamoro Transition Commission, which preceded the Bangsamoro Transition Authority. She was a senior state solicitor at the office of the Solicitor General. And uh, since I had known my Sarah when she was much, much younger, I have seen her commitment to advancing justice, peace, the rights of women and children. She is a Shevening scholar and received her 
honors degree in master's in educational leadership and the school improvement from the University of uh, Manchester. Currently, Chair Maisara is pursuing a Doctor of Philosophy in Educational Administration and Development at the University of the Philippines. So welcome to She Talks Peace, Chair Maisara. Thank you very much, Ma'am Amina Rasul, for that uh, very humbling no, introduction. I'm so happy to be here for the first time at She Builds Peace. Assalamu uh, alaikum to everyone. Alaikum wasatlam, my, you know, if I had more time, introduction of you would take longer than 10 minutes, actually. You have done so much when you were in the Pangsamoro Transition Authority, even when you were not yet in government. As a young professional, you were doing so much together with uh, your colleagues, our sister Samira and, uh, and everybody else. So how is it yes, to be the chair of the Marawi Compensation Board? Are you still excited? Are you doing your job in a way that pleases you? Or are you still hoping that you could have a lot more support? <laughs> yes. Uh, interestingly, ma'am, uh, if you can recall in the National Youth Commission, I saw you as a chairperson. Way back in 1997, I think, ma'am. So I think I had a very good uh, model for women leadership in the helm, ma'am. Uh, chairpersonship. So this time, it's my turn na ngayon, ma'am, to experience yes. what you have experienced, no? Uh, it, I think uh, being in the board, a collegial body, is a di- lot different if you are uh, just a executive leading a group on your own without yeah. consulting, yes. without asking permission from any of the member. Because this right. time around, uh, it's uh, quite uh, challenging because you need to uh, have a consensus every time you make a decision. So as a board, especially here in Marawi, uh, we know a lot the complexity there's mm-hmm. culture, there's religion, there's mm-hmm. your uh, tradition as a Maranao. How do you navigate the politics of the place? How do you talk to the people on the ground? How do you translate you know, uh, what the board wants to do for the people? So these are all things that you have to consider when you are on this kind of role, no? As a chairperson. Um, I am so excited exactly. every day. Maizara, oh. don't forget yes. the issue of gender. Because, you know, man, in our region, more and more, there seems to be yes. this notion, right? That women yes. should not take leadership position, especially in the executive uh, sector. Function. So how are you managing... To navigate those uh, complexities, Ms. Sarah. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, that's the gender factor, pa, no? So yes. aside from uh, aside from the tradition, the culture, the religion, you have to add in the gender. Um, there are positive women uh, when you are a woman in the board. I say what we did, ma'am, is uh, we are five in the board, so there are mm-hmm. more women. In the board, oh, than men. So good for you. I believe, yes, I believe that it uh, made the difference. 
because if you have a lot of uh, you know voices that are you know more i think um, we have kasi qualities na we listen more uh, we are also very nurturing when it comes to uh, the, the issue at hand because uh, men when they talk it's all about structures the buildings the destruction you know women it's about it's about social healing it's empowerment the welfare it's about getting back people in the street empowering them to reclaim their lost mm-hmm. dignity and then reparation and then uh, compensation so uh it's um but it's i think it's better for women leaders also to have women uh, co- uh you know collaborative women leaders also on board because it's much easier to you know uh, discuss issue if marami kayo however you cannot also discuss the uh, ideas ng men uh, male no? they also have good women uh, ideas that you also need to listen to so Maganda yung mix ngayon. Coupled with the executive uh, director that is also a woman, no? our mm-hmm. board secretary is also a female, and then our lawyer, head of the legal, is also a uh, female. So medyo ngayon yung uh, board, uh, female-led siya. So really say, from the wonderful. chairperson to the board secretary down to the lawyers are female led so maganda talaga na naging ganun din siya yeah. I was just wondering my Sarah if that was uh, your scheme <laughs> to get <laughs> to get covered I think, to make that appointment but, but yes. I'm not going to put you on the spot that's as far as that concerned but what I wanted uh, our listeners to understand my Sarah is how the Marawi Compensation Board came to be Uh, dear listeners, uh, I think me, most of you probably know that in 2017, uh, the violent extremists connected with ISIS occupied the city of Marawi and held it uh, hostage for, would you believe, five months. The government and the military couldn't enter Marawi city. So the, uh, the battles raged for five months until finally government was able to drive out, uh, captured the violent extremists. But by then, uh, my Marawi, especially the villages that were in ground zero, 100% destroyed. So my, can, because you were also personally affected, do tell our listeners what it was like in those days and what you hope the Marawi Compensation Board can do to help rehabilitate your fellow Maranaos? Yes, um, you know, the siege, you know, brought us something like uh, we were thinking this never, this should, should not happen in our lifetime. You see, uh, war has been in 1945, uh, 40s, no? But in the modern time, if you, if you experience it, it's quite devastating up until now. Six years have passed and we still are you know affected uh, deeply by the consequences of the war foremost of which is our livelihood were destroyed our uh, traditions no uh 
were affected deeply because the Maranao Maratabat right now is wounded. No? The Maranao people likes to take pride in their work. So now we cannot anymore showcase to you the best of the Maranao because it's we're all destroyed during the war. The artifacts, the um, the uh, you know the important uh, cultural uh, artifacts that we have, we can no longer show to you. But what we, what is left with us right now are the intangible that we're trying to rebuild. Uh, like our way of life, we're trying to regain back. So it's 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 really deeply aff uh, affected me deeply. That's the reason why I said to myself, one day if I get the chance, I will be able to help rebuild the city. So that's what we're trying to do in the Marawi compensation. Six years had passed since um, May 23, 2017. And now what uh, we're trying to do is First is to implement this transitional justice mechanism. Uh, the transitional justice mechanism. Are Tell us more about that, Mai, because you know the the concept of transitional justice. Although it was embraced by national government before, but as in I Mindanao, mean, especially in the conflict affected areas, haven't really seen that operating. So I'm really glad that you're taking that on. Tell us more about that. Yes, I, I believe that in the Philippines, this is one of the second, no? because we have before the Human Rights Claims Board. The, yeah. That's also a transitional justice mechanism, uh, post-martial law. But right now, this is a post-war uh, setting in Marawi City, a city that was destroyed. 11,800 structures were fell down to the ground. Um, uh, 77,000 families are still living from the consequences of the war. Uh, 6,000 people are still living in temporary shelters. So as a transitional justice mechanism, we transition people from war to peace. Uh, it's found under Section 2 of Republic of 11696, the Law on Marabi Victims Compensation Act. That provides that the state recognizes that gross human rights violations were committed against uh, innocent civilians, women, children, uh, men. And it's also an implementation of uh, international human rights law on right to remedy and reparation. So when we talk about right to remedy and reparation, it has this thing, you know, in uh, concept number one, there should be uh, equal and effective access to justice. Number two, that it should be adequate, it should be prompt for the reparation and harm suffered by the people. And then the third one is it should be relevant to the people. So what we are doing right now in our compensation board is to implement this uh, transitional justice mechanism in order for us to uh, comply also with our obligation under international human rights law that victims of gross human rights violation will have adequate, effective, and prompt reparation to promote justice and also redress, you know, uh, uh, gross violation of international human rights law. So the board is directed to implement this. Uh, in our case, uh, the Marawi siege victims are 
allowed to file claims, number one, for death or loss of life, number two, for destroyed structures or damaged structures, either residential, commercial, or cultural. And the third one would be to claim for personal belongings or other properties. These are this includes all our artifacts that were destroyed, our uh, you know, antiques. No? So our, uh, the, the, the law really provides for reparation and compensation. It also asks for other non-compensatory compensation like psychosocial healing, restoration. Oh, that's so important, Mai. So important. Yes. And uh, rehabilitation of the individual. So uh, uh, as we implement the compensation process, we saw that indeed uh, the it's just a tip of the iceberg. What we saw in 2017 after the liberation, that Marawi was liberated in October uh, 17, 2017. However, the stories of the people were not really captured. How mm-hmm. they were affected. Uh, what is their state right now? How do they feel about the siege? And when, when, where are they going, their future? Uh, those were not captured. So right now, the Marami Compensation Board is in the best position to do that. Why? Because the moment that we opened our doors for adjudication, this is the part where you determine whether or not that person is eligible for payment of compensation. There are uh, hearings or, you know, when people uh, testify, they tell their stories individually. So imagine right now there are 6,000 people who filed claims, and these 6,000 people from July, August, September have unique stories to tell about what they felt, where, where, where are they during that time, and how it affected their families, their children, their loved ones. And now we are capturing all those stories during our healing. That's, that's really good to know, Mai. But um, let, let's step back, uh, let's stop, let's step back a, a little. Right after the siege, when I went to visit the the uh, this place, no, the in the camps, my I cried because the the situation of of the people was was really so devastating to me to see families lose everything they have, be cramped into a camp, and then my when I went uh, when I went back uh, after the uh, the pandemic to see that they were still at the camps after so many years. I could just imagine my the, the anger building up in the hearts of, uh, of our people, their frustration. And uh, it's really good that you're capturing their stories because what worries me, Mai, is that uh, the anger that built up could be, you know, grounds for another round of equipment uh, by violent extremists that will seek to undermine the peace building that, that we've been doing because I gather that many feel that they have been neglected 
And uh, now that you're coming in, you have to deal with those frustrations as well. Can, can you tell us what, uh, what it's been like? Can you tell us a couple of uh, uh, stories about your interaction with, the, uh, with those who have been displaced? What's their story, Mike? Uh, yes, uh, I, it's quite a, you know emotional one for me because when we hear them in temporary shelters crying for help, you know, uh, for number one, they don't have sustainable livelihood. So, for yeah. imagine a family of well-off family from Marawi uh, that they have. A three-story house. First floor yes. would be their commercial, and then second right. and third floor would be their residential. Living peacefully, prosperously, you know, uh, with yeah. dignity. And then all right. of a sudden, in blink of an eye, that that uh, you know structure that that fell down. Those all uh, all their dreams, aspiration. We're gone in uh, one day or five months, no? and then they were forced to live in a one-room house yeah. with yeah. no water, right. regular supply of water. Imagine, and no means of livelihood, and then cut off from access to, you know, market, schools. Right. So the the people that uh, we've talked to. It's still, still living in a nightmare every day. Yeah. Imagine uh, when we ask them, so how are you feeling right now? They said, if we are not restored to our former state, uh, I don't think we can recover, they said. So the only hope that we have right now is the payment of for just compensation. Dear listeners, before we get back, to our emotionally uh, engrossing conversation with uh, attorney Maisara Latif, do share your thoughts about the, the issues that we're discussing and email us at chitokspeacepodcast at gmail.com or our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at chitokspeace. Let me repeat that. Share your thoughts. And email us at shetalkspeacepodcast at gmail.com or our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at shetalkspeace. Don't forget to give us a follow. If you have any requests for topics or recommendations for guests that you want us to invite on She Talks Peace, do let us know. Now let's get back to Chair Maisara Dandamun. Latif. So, Chair Maisara, share with us a couple of stories about, um, you know, when you interviewed those who have been displaced and uh, who were in the camps. Okay, so right now, what we are experiencing uh, with the IDPs in the temporary shelter, because they haven't been... uh, compensated yet, the moment that they receive their compensation, they promise to rebuild their houses, they're still experiencing a lot of problem with regards to finding livelihood, uh, returning back 
connected to normalcy in their lives because sometimes they still feel a psychosocial stress no? disorder. I, we're seeing a lot of PSTD. Number three probably also is uh, access to education because if you don't have livelihood, how can you send your children to school? And then uh, fourth is a feeling of uh, helplessness and hopelessness of these people. So really... Yeah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. These are red black sign for violent extremism to take hold and take root in the community. And uh, that's the reason why the Marawi Compensation Board right now is in a very important point in history where it can mitigate that kind of uh, propensity or allure of violent extremism when we start compensating and paying just compensation to the people so that they can regain uh, their lost dignity. And uh, mind you, Ma'am Amina, the amount that are being going to be awarded are not uh, small amounts. Mm -hmm. The law allows for uh, 18,000 pesos per square meter per story. So if you have a hundred uh, square meter of a house, you can uh, receive as much as 1.8 million. I remember you're saying that your budget is not enough to cover the, the needs just for the reconstruction, right? Yes, with the competing interests right now in our country, uh, especially the looming crisis with China, I think that the government you know, eyeing more funds for uh, our our national defense. So we're trying to compete with internal, you know, internal conflict versus the the, the external defense. Certainly the government has to prioritize our community who is uh, at risk, again, of being in that kind of, you know, problem that we have encountered in 2017 violent extremism um, that hold of morality, right? I believe that if government really wants to solve the problem of violent extremism in our place, in Marawi, it has to put in sufficient fund for the payment of compensation for the victims of Marawi siege. So the victims right now see the compensation as their hope of regaining their lost livelihood, their uh, homes that were destroyed, and uh, their sense of normalcy. Because the moment that they have that, they're empowered economically by the compensation board, 
to have the wherewithal to rebuild their house, to, re- to, to, re- to build or reclaim their lives in Marawi Ground Zero, that will send a very strong signal that indeed the people now are ready to, to like in Manila when it was destroyed, to, to get, get back on their two feet again with the help of the government. So this really would be the showcase or what we call uh, a flagship program of the government that the government is here to rebuild the people's lost life. So if, if it has sufficient funding, which right now it doesn't have, uh, that will happen. So if not, then uh, that's another story. The people would feel that it, they're not being um, prioritized when, in fact, they are the most vulnerable people in the entire country right now because this is the only place in the Philippines where you can see 6,000 people living in temporary shelters with basic services that are not even adequate. I think this is the only, after Yolanda, Marawi, six years, has not been, you know, uh, they lost the spotlight in the government. So we, yeah. we, we were able to but build. you know, yeah. Yeah, but my, uh, you know, in the, the Maranaos are, are very resilient, very enterprising. And uh, six years after the siege, I know that in that uh, period of time when nothing much really was was going to them to support their livelihood and rehabilitation, that uh, in the Maranaos, especially the women, were doing whatever they could to try and get back a normal life. And I was just wondering, Mai, if you can share some of those stories of empowerment, of uh, resiliency, especially by the Maranao women. You know, do you can share with us stories about what they did to get back on their own, huh? without much support from uh, from government? Yeah, the women uh, Maranao especially are by by nature traders. So you can see absolutely us, yes. You can see us uh, everywhere in the Philippines. Uh, we are business uh, in the business profession by nature. So what 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 the women did was really to help each other out in the community. Uh, we have uh, cooperatives operating uh, for like for example for providing clothing materials to offices if the offices needs uniform they have cooperatives here also uh, doing that uh, business and some women um went so far as uh, weaving malongs and uh, other uh, traditional clothing they tried to sell that outside marawi and in fact some succeeded they were able to regain back their uh, livelihood by doing those traditional arts and crafts so uh, there are other success stories, uh, women helping other women here in Marawi City. Uh, but I think it's um, there quite few only. Uh, but the general milieu right now is that uh, they need 
really support from the government for women to have capital for big businesses. Because what we have right now are micro or small uh, businesses, but still these micro and small businesses like um, regular uh, sari-sari store, sewing machine, uh, baking baking shop uh, supports their daily needs. And I think that's where resilient resiliency comes in because they were not they did not allow themselves to wallow in misery. They were able to sustain that life, livelihood to their children. And the children uh, right now are being sent off to schools to study. Uh, unfortunately, for some who still suffer from uh, undiagnosed PSTD, uh, that's the, that's, I think that's the only reason keeping these women from succeeding, that they need psychosocial support. For them to get back to their feet. But for uh, resilient women who are many in the community right now in temporary shelters, what we can see is that they are starting to build back their own uh, self through small businesses. So those are good examples. If other community wants to, to know more, they can visit us in the 32 uh, temporary shelters all over Marawi City. And what these women are trying to do to regain back their lives and also to be able to uh, give support to their children and the community. You know, my um, in many ways, Marawi, the, the victims of the siege, are lucky compared to the citizens in other countries that have been devastated by armed conflict because when I look at what's going on in uh, in, in those countries and Yemen for instance and in other uh, areas it looks like our government has been responsive in helping to rehabilitate uh, the the uh, displaced but of course it's not enough as you said earlier and I completely agree with you men love to see infrastructures and when I was in uh, Marawi looking at what had happened, what the rehabilitation uh, looked like, I saw government structures, beautiful structures, but government structures, whereas the, the residences, the little businesses were still missing. So if you could, mind uh, make government uh, have a more effective response mechanism and you're talking about uh, bringing back the enterprises run by women uh, post trauma healing and supporting education what would you recommend as uh, you know the areas where government should really focus on apart from putting up more structures like uh, stadiums and uh, and cultural centers my yeah, uh, I, I think uh, the number one uh, for us in the board, when we interviewed a lot of IDP uh, women, what they just want is support from the government for them to have uh, capital for businesses that they want to pursue, training for how to build small businesses. Number third is uh, that's education, the capacity building for uh, handling businesses. And then uh, the last one would be for their children to have adequate scholarship. Because certainly if you still have problem with a day-to-day -day basis of 
sustenance and you still have problem for how do you pay for tuition fee of your children that's too much that's too much already a person can bear right especially us marana we have six or ten children so imagine a household uh, with no means of livelihood and has six children to feed and six children to send to school uh, we we really need support in terms of capitalization uh, training or capacity building number three is for education of our children and to top it off i think also what we need is for us to identify uh, how do we get women who are still suffering from psychosocial stress disorder to be given the intervention uh, the counseling that they need the therapy that they need and then for them to be able to function normally again so that's another because um all the interviews that i get are yes we are resilient yes we can get back to our own to feet again but we cannot move on because we still have this emotional problem in our minds uh, that it keeps on recurring no? theme of hopelessness the theme that um what we experience is so much to bear like so we need to identify this um these women who needs the help and not just that we also have uh, interviewed that there are still children no? who are five six seven years old and right now there are teenagers 14 15 16 onwards who are acting out as a as a terrorist uh, as a hostage the soldiers so you can see that uh, there are still areas that we need to look into but very very important uh, in terms of the healing process and restoration process of our community because after all it's not just about monetary compensation but also social healing a collective healing of the people underground and the community um, has mechanisms to do that. Number one would be intervention in terms of giving the community experts or professionals in mental health, right? So if you go to shelters in the, what you told me about the uh, chess, maybe that's also one community collective healing because it's a community activity that everybody can participate in and, and it allows the mind to heal because that's that's a form of uh, release right and third um, when you have recreational activities that you can give to the community especially in the temporary shelters where there are six thousand people still living there that it, that are still uh, you know undiagnosed suffering from uh, psychosocial stress so we need those kinds of interventions. I believe that strongly that this can help us heal faster when we have these kinds of not monetary but other non-monetary interventions from the government or from other well-meaning groups. Uh, the community can heal, but they need support. Dear listeners, you heard uh, Maisara talk about chess. Well, let me share with you. If you go on uh, the internet and search for Maranao Chess, you will find on sale antique Maranao chess boards. You know, our um, great, 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 great grandparents here in Muslim Mindanao played chess. 
And when I visited the the camps, I saw men playing chess. And what they wanted was, you know, more chess sets. So my Sarah and I, we've been talking about organizing uh, chess games so that our people who are in the camps will have something to, you know, uh, distract them perhaps, use their brains in uh, in a more productive uh, way. So dear listeners, if any of you are into chess and would like to work with us on this one, do please get in touch with us at uh, she talks peace podcast at gmail.com. But my before we end our show, because time is really running, as we are approaching the anniversary of uh, UNSCR 1325, the basis for the Women, Peace, and Security agenda, would you care to share your thoughts about the significant role that women can play and should play in the rehabilitation and post-conflict reconstruction, not just of Marawi, but you know, elsewhere in the world where communities have been devastated by armed. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Conflict. Certainly, uh, we are actually going to celebrate Women, Peace, and Security, isn't it? Uh, coming this October, mm-hmm. this October, right? The last month was the International yes. Day of Peace. Uh, so that's about right. um, peace building for the entire world. But this time, the focus is on women. Uh, what's the role of women in peace and peace building and security and also um, collective security? So I believe that women, uh, like us, uh, has a very great role to play. Number one, um, women can actually uh, be leaders in terms of the non-compensatory side of social healing, social justice. Mm -hmm. So uh, I have seen so many women doing many, many important great works in terms of the the idea that I told you, the psychosocial healing, that is being led by women on the ground. What they do is that um, they gather other women and they have regular I mean, monthly sessions amongst themselves and they have programs like, for example, uh, what I've seen is Ramadan program where they have mm-hmm. where they have Islamic seminars uh, where each one can talk about their problems and then there's some of the, uh, the people, are uh, the women in the community listens also and process it. Uh, that's a very good example. Number two, women can take on leadership roles like this in uh, peace building. You can be part of the political leaders that can influence the government to look into how the non-compensatory side of war. War is so costly. You know, this this is the yes. I always tell this. 
yes, you can wage war, but the after effects is really very high, especially for those left behind, the widows, the women who, who are there left to take it's a no-win situation. Yeah. And the the one who bear the brunt, I believe, is women, no? Because the men goes out in the field, they fight the battles, but it's the women who is left behind to take care of the family and to take and care of the children. And they're the ones who will uh, put back to pieces what has been destroyed. So right. women, uh, women before even the start of war, before even a war uh, would uh, take place, mm-hmm. has to be the, at the forefront also of making sure that that will not happen by making sure that the community has mechanisms for grievances has uh, mechanisms mm-hmm. for processing their uh, resentment, and they can uh, also institute a more democratic political participation uh, because women can do that because they are, you know, by nature, they were listeners, we're also very articulate. So we can institute mechanisms for democratic participation where everybody is included. You know, nobody is left behind just because you are not carrying arms. You're not supposed to be at the table. Uh, women can encourage other women to participate in building peace before any semblance of war should happen. Uh, they have to encourage governments to be more inclusive. And I always tell this, that our government uh, in the Bangsamoro has to be more inclusive if they want sustainable peace. Because if they only listen to one side and they don't include other, like women, children, youth, uh, marginalized sector, the indigenous people, I don't think we will have sustainable peace. Because right now we're in peacetime, right? But women can actually play a role in that by being the advocates for the government to open their tables to more voices to be heard more voices means more diversity more harmony in the community because if nobody's left behind certainly there will be no resentment no grievances right if you listen and give space to other uh, members of the community i don't think that there will be future wars don't be afraid to take that initiative and be at the forefront because you know why uh, mom amina why i'm saying this mm. that women should seize that it's because at the end of the day it's the women who will suffer the most if we don't take that uh, leadership role we do not just let men decide on uh, matters because at the end i see in my own eyes right now more women left here talking about how will they raise 10 children on their own because their husband died in the battle. Yes, in the battle. Yes. It should be, if that's the case, then, yeah, if that's the case, then, then before any battle will be, will, will, will happen, before war happens, before any conflict happens, be at the forefront. Say that it should not be the case because at the end of the day, there's no winners in war. Nobody wins in war. No victors. Only only 
Dev- devastation and lives were, you know, unnecessarily destroyed. And that is the aftermath of what we have seen in Marawi. And I hope that that will never happen in any country, in any community, because it's quite hard to rebuild your life from a war. Because the effects is really in, in the minds of the women, the children, and my before we before we go, um, and as we are going to be celebrating the anniversary of 1325, the foundation for the Women, Peace, and Security agenda, what is your message to our listeners? We now have reached 100 countries, nine, and we have reached all of the provinces and cities of uh, the Philippines. So perhaps you would share a message as we celebrate the Women, Peace, and Security agenda. Yes, uh, I, I believe that uh, for us women, uh, we, we have to be at the forefront also. Let us not allow ourselves to be always at the back end, you know, the end receiver of all of this conflict and our war in our midst. And before anything, uh, it, er, before war erupts, I believe that there are mechanisms that can be implemented in the community. Uh, we have to strengthen first, number one, our families, uh, the children especially, because they are the, they are the ones easily recruited by disarmed men. We have to strengthen how families take care of their children. And the number one uh, player are the parents, right? So it has to start from the basic unit, which is the family. If we strengthen families, the, the mother and the father, and a, a proper upbringing of their children in educating them and making sure to, to strengthen and empower them, not just economically. You know, the, the ones who wage war in Marawi are well-off families, the Maute. They are educated people. But what kind of education did they get? That's the number one question. We need to look into values that really fortifies community, security, nationhood, love for country, love for your community. Because the type of people that we produced here are the opposite of what I just told you. Imagine the very first institution they destroyed is the school where they studied from elementary to high school. Yeah. What kind yes. of people are we building? So we need to reflect on that. And I believe that peace and security starts with education. We need to look into education, not just in the institutional or formal mechanism, but also how we educate families, parents, and children to have the right values and morals uh, to support peace building in our midst. And women, I believe, should be at the forefront of that. Those are the simple mechanisms that can really fortify peace. Really starts with the family. So I think if we have good, strong, resilient community starts with good, strong, resilient families. Thank you so much for that, uh, my dear listeners. 
you heard my sister, my Sara Dandamun Latif, the chairperson of the Marawi Compensation Board. So do give us a follow at She Talks Peace on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts. And again, this is She Talks Peace. So thank you so much, Mai. And more power to you as you pursue the rehabilitation of our brothers and sisters in Marawi. I do hope that national government and the government of the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region uh, in Muslim Mindanao will support your call for more assistance in rehabilitating our people in, uh, in Marawi. So, dear listeners, thank you for joining us. This is Amina Rasul from the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying bye for now and see you again. Do listen to us in our next podcast. So, bye for now. Thanks, my. Thank you so much. And see you soon. See you. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.